welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. And I'm David Auerbach, CEO and Publisher. We have our coverage today of Apple's April 20th event. We got new AirTags today, a new purple iPhone, iMac with and an iPad Pro with the M1 chip, and a couple of other things. So we're going to give you a recap of all the stuff Apple announced today, give you our take on it, find out what you want to buy, we'll tell you what we want to buy, and we'll get all into that shortly. And we also want to talk to you about some of the upcoming stuff that we have on iPhone Life Insider. So um, we'll start out with that before we get into all of our coverage of today's event. So iPhone Life Insider is our premium subscription that offer, it's our educational platform where you can go to learn about how to use all of your Apple devices. It includes lots of premium features, including a digital subscription to iPhone Life magazine, including all of our back issues. You get our guides, including um, our latest reminders guide. We have a basics guide coming out, which will lead me also to telling you about our courses. Uh, We have an ask an expert feature where you um, can send in all of your tech-related questions and one of our experts will guide you to a solution. And the feature that I really want to tell you about today is our courses. We have four courses a year that are included with your subscription, and we have one coming up next week called the um, iPhone Fundamentals course. And that will teach you how to do everything you need to know about your iPhone. Uh, It's great for beginners. It's great for people who've had your iPhone for a long time and just want to make sure that you have all of your fundamentals really down, including how to set up your iCloud and Apple ID, how to customize your home screen and settings so that your phone really works um, optimally. And so I'll be co-teaching that with Colin Thomas. It's going to be a great uh, a great month-long course, and we can't wait. So if you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount, you'll be able to access all of the, of the um, live lessons throughout the month. And it's something that's... Uh, very easy to join. There's no registration required or anything like that. Just once you're an insider member, uh, we'll email you with the link and you can join anytime you want. And we used to charge, last time we offered this course, we charged $350 for that course on top of your insider subscription. Now it is included with an insider subscription and we offer four courses a year included with your insider subscription. So it's thousands of dollars of savings. Plus we have workshops and of course we have all of these other great features including Ask an Editor and we have guides uh, and of course insiders get an extended version of the podcast. So, so many great reasons to subscribe if you're not already a subscriber. And uh, with our podcast discount link, you do get an extra uh, percentage off. Plus, our senior discount already, if you're over the age of 60, you get an extra percent knocked off for there as well. So, it's a great time to sign up, and we hope to see you in our course. All right, David, so let's jump right into our coverage of today's event. First of all, do you have any overall takes on the event or thoughts on it? So many things were announced. (laughs) Um, So it was jam-packed. I also, you know, we were talking about it. um, It felt like sometimes with these announcements, especially in the spring, there's pretty incremental updates where it's sort of like, yeah, they had a thing here and a thing there. There were some pretty large updates. Um, So I was excited. I felt like that was a really great announcement. Um, The new format is, I think I'm getting used to it, but... And it's nice because they packed the whole thing in an hour where it used to be two hours long. 
uh, and it's very sleek now, but they go so fast. So for those of us in the industry who are actually trying to like take notes and cover this for you all, it is hard to keep up. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like the Apple events over the past year have been so much shorter, which yeah. in a way is kind of nice. Just to, It feels exciting the whole time instead of starting to drag, but um, it's hard to keep up. I would think even listening at home, it's hard to uh, not have some of the stuff breeze right by before you catch it. Yeah, and I think... Also, I mean, in terms of big picture, Apple events used to be, uh, to put it bluntly, a lot of old white men. It was, you know, it was Craig Frederighi and it was Phil Schiller. Um, And it's nice to see Apple incorporate a lot more people and a lot more diversity in their lineups now in the people who are the ones presenting and presumably the leadership of Apple. Yeah, I agree with that as well. And um I think that, I mean, it was great to see the AirTag in terms of just overall like what was exciting type of thing. It was great to see the AirTag finally arrive because we've been seeing rumors for that for years now. But I think the the device I was the most excited about was the iMac. Hmm. Yeah, the iMac looks cool. I'm excited for the AirTags to come out so we can finally stop talking about the rumors because I am. We've, <laughs> it's been years. Let's dive into it, though. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so what's our first we'll product? So our first product, Apple um, just randomly unveiled a purple iPhone. It's the iPhone 12 and 12 (laughs) mini, and it now comes in a new special purple. Mm, And the purple. uh, (laughs) So it just came, it was like a couple minutes that they spent on this. It felt very random to me. It is a really beautiful purple, I have to say, if you like purple. (laughs) But um, that's all there is to it, it's just a new color. So and yeah, so, I was getting yeah. ready to ask you, you, you were excited about the purple color. Yeah, I mean, I, you asked, I think when we were doing our live commentary in the Facebook yeah. group, like, would you buy this? And I, I think that if I was at a time where I was needing a new phone, which I'm not right at this moment, I would definitely consider buying the purple one. Cause I like the way that it looks, but, um, that would only be like one small, small part of my purchase decision and um, we already chatted about this a little bit before the podcast. It's not a great time to be buying an iPhone, in our opinion. And so, and it, it isn't for me either. So I, I'm not planning on buying it. Yeah. And just for those who don't follow Apple as obsessively as we do, the reason <laughs> it's not a good time to buy an iPhone is Apple releases new iPhones every September. So you are, at this point, close enough to a new iPhone coming out. And the new iPhones, I think, will be pretty dang cool. That you, mm-hmm. Unless you really, really need an, an iPhone, uh, I would hold out until September where you'll get a much better iPhone. And even if for some reason you're really attached to getting the iPhone 12, it'll be cheaper then. It felt like the rumors I'd read were especially the iPhone 12 mini had not performed particularly well in terms of sales. And I, it felt like Apple was sort of trying to move a few more iPhones before they switched over to the iPhone 13. <laughs> exactly. I know. I thought the 12 mini was so appealing looking in a lot of ways, but I, I didn't buy it because of the shorter battery life. In general, Like I want the iPhones that have the best battery life because even if they're good at first, you know that over time especially after like two years, that just drops off a lot. So I can see why, I mean, that, and I don't know, maybe the small size is out of vogue now to a lot of people. I can see why um, Apple would discontinue the mini line, which is what the rumors are saying for next year. Yeah. The next, um, the next generation of iPhone. So it makes sense. They're probably trying to get rid of the inventory that they have 
or the parts that they have for the mini. I don't know, potentially. Well, but, in, in um, addition, in addition to that, you know, you and I tend to skew towards the pro line. Like you, we both like the iPhone Pros. Is that correct? Yes, I mean the the OLED displays, like all of that. I mean the, the nicer camera. Yeah. yeah. So we we tend to go for the the highest end devices. <laughs> but um, one point that that some of our staff writers were talking about is that a lot of carriers are give really great deals where they bundle. You get the iPhone 12 for free if you switch phones or something like that. And so I feel like there there could be cases right now where you can get a really great deal on a phone. It might be worth doing it. And now this purple color is pretty. If you yeah, like it. I saw somebody who lived in Washington State and likes the their college football team, and it matched the purple matches. So there you go. There are reasons. <laughs> Last point on that, though, is that, I mean, I highly recommend everyone use a case on your phone. You can get clear ones. Like I've got a, you know, clear, if you've got a clear case, you can um, see the color through. But for the most part, I don't know what the big deal is with device colors because you're not going to be able to see it anyway. Yeah, it's a really good point. All right, so our next device, the, our ni- next announcement from today was the AirTag. We've been calling them AirTags forever, but they, you know, it's singular because you can buy them solo or you can get a pack of four AirTags. So Apple finally released this. It looks sort of to me like a, like a quarter or something. Doesn't it look like <laughs> a... Um, some sort of coin. Yeah, it does a little bit. I can see that more of maybe like a puck because it's a little more three dimensional than than a coin. But yeah, it's it's about that size and uh, metallic, obviously. Right. And so this is a GPS tracker. You can put it in your purse, briefcase. Um, you can. They've got little keychain attachments that you can you can stick it to your keys. And so this is something that allows you to track non-tech devices that are important to you. Your wallet is another option. Um, other third-party companies' uh, products have been out there for a while. Some of them we've re- reviewed at iPhone Life, like Tile is the, the biggest in the industry and makes a nice product. It's part of the reason we weren't as excited about this is because we weren't seeing really that much what was new about it. But um, Apple does have a few features to the AirTag that does set it apart. It's the price point is $29 for one. Um, it has this precision tracking feature, or I, I'm trying to remember like the marketing terms they use for it, but it has a feature that um, will tell you where it's stationed that doesn't just ring a noise. It'll tell you on your phone, like this is located nine feet to your left, so you can track it down that way. So that makes it um, more accessible to someone who is hard of hearing potentially. Well, and not just hard of hearing because, um, I mean, I, I'd like to think that I hear pretty well, but I don't. I can make my um, my phone beep. That's one of those cool little things. If you have an Apple Watch, you can push the button and it'll make your phone beep. So I'm constantly doing that because I'm constantly losing my phone. And it's weirdly hard to know where it is. Like, I'm often walking around the house hearing a beep and, like, in the totally wrong room looking for it, to be honest. So having it tell you, like, go to the left nine feet, you're getting closer, is pretty convenient. And that is a unique feature. Because one of the things that I was skeptical about was that... um, Tile has existed for so many years. It's a very well-regarded product. And I really hate when Apple just comes out with a product that's just such a blatant 
copy paste from somebody else's product and and they just stamp their logo on it and they say good news we're apple and, and they then did just, like, that. wipe out potentially this really cool company that's doing something innovative. Like, exactly, it's not a great... exactly. Yeah. And so they definitely did that, and I feel bad for Tile. But they, yeah. at the very least, did add some innovative features that I think are nice. Um, and so that does help me to justify it in my own head. Yeah, and the other thing that Apple really heavily emphasized is the privacy and security features of the AirTag because this is something that is using location tracking. I mean, there's a lot that companies could, it, there's a lot to like potentially worry about with sharing your location. So Apple, the way the technology works, Apple cannot even, if they wanted to, track the location that you're, of your AirTag. Um, and they made that very clear that there's no there's no way for anyone to be using that location information. Um, you know, I, this is right after the announcement, so I haven't done a lot of reading yet to learn understand more exactly how that works. But I thought that was reassuring, and Apple does historically have a good reputation in terms of protecting user privacy. So I think that's something that if you were choosing between Tile and the AirTag, you might choose the AirTag instead. Another thing that I think will be nice about the AirTags, and again, this is so close to the announcement that we're still kind of waiting for the details and understanding of how it works. Um, but my understanding is that it usually that uh, both Tile and Apple utilize what's called a mesh network, which basically means that if you lose some, if you lose an AirTag someplace that say isn't your house, it will talk to any other Mac around you or any other Apple product that happens to be near where their AirTag is. And therefore, it'll use that anonymously to help you identify the location of your device. And that's a really cool feature. And Tile does try to do that as well, but there's just so many more Apple products in the world than there are Tile users that it you end up with a much broader mesh network in order to find your, your uh, AirTag. Yeah, Apple. I feel like Apple's so universal that they've got a real leg up on Tile that way. Uh, one thing I'll be curious to to see though is if the AirTag will also be then wanting to like track your location in the background a lot because Tile does. Um, mm -hmm. And did I? I feel like I might have messed up what I was saying there. But the, my point is, is that. Location tracking in the background drains your battery. It also there, you know might be some security issues with that as well. And so that's that's a feature with Tile that's sort of a shortfall. And I'm curious if Apple's will have that as well. My guess is that I'm sure it will impact battery life, but Apple, because Apple, this is one of the nice things with Apple doing hardware and software together, they care a lot about battery life. And so I don't think they're going to sell a product that really adversely affects your iPhone battery life because you make $29 on an AirTag and then people don't want to buy an iPhone anymore because your battery life is awful. Um, so I think they will probably optimize that. The one um, drawback that we are we were talking about, though, is Tile, because they've been out for so long, has a wide range of different tiles. Um, so they have one, for example, that has an adhesive back. So you can just stick it to something. Um, and they also, the tile itself has a little loop for a keychain, um, so you don't need a, a second accessory. In Apple, what it looked like, and we have to wait for details to emerge, is that the puck itself, the AirTag itself, did not 
attached to anything, which means if you want to attach it to anything, which most people are going to want to do, you either need to buy the their little cases they're selling from also cost $30. So you need to like double the price of it just to get the case or um, you're kind of out of luck. Um, over time, I'm guessing there'll be a cottage industry of third-party accessories that will make that okay. Um, also, over time, hopefully Apple will add different the uh, items to their tagline with like adhesive but for now that's one of the main things that's going to hold me back from buying it is until i can understand like do i need to spend 60 dollars to track where my keys are that's a lot um 30 maybe and so the difference between how much do i have to pay for that case is a is a big difference for me i agree like i feel like they what they should have should do is include the rubber loop like there's a, yeah. a rubber little attachment strap that you can put on it they should include that with it and if you want to spend more to get like a fancy leather one then i understand that but i do feel like most people are going to want to be able to clip it onto something and so they should just make that possible because otherwise yeah like it just makes me way less likely to buy one um, yeah which leads me i'm kind of wondering david do you think this will go the way of AirPods, it'll be like a breakout success for Apple or more the way of HomePod where people, you know, a couple years from now, most people won't even know what an AirTag is and it will be, <laughs> the Apple will be so, phasing it out. <laughs> this isn't, that's a really interesting question, man. We'll have to bookmark this episode and then come back four years from now. Um, first of all, I guess, <laughs> okay, I'm just looking at what's in the box and you are correct. They do not have a plastic or like a little silicon wrapper. So that's a huge oversight in my opinion, like include a silicon wrapper so that you can use this with uh your keys instead of trying to charge me thirty dollars that's bizarre um i know i think somewhere in between i think homepod is a uniquely uh <laughs> poor performing product for apple like i think most people don't know what a homepod is even um, whereas the cheaper price point of this makes it a little bit easier to be an impulse buy for people like 30 bucks it's pretty convenient I don't think this is going to be a surprise hit for Apple. I think it's um, like Tile's been around for years and years. Yes, this is slightly better, but I think it, it'll it have a niche, but I, I don't think it's going to be a huge hit. What do you think? That'd be my take. I mean, I don't think it'll go the way of the HomePod because the HomePod was like a very expensive premium product and it was sort of a niche product. And so that made it really not take off. This is a niche product, but it's cheap enough that people, you know, it'll probably have some appeal and more people buying it. But yeah, I, I, I sort of feel like it's it's not going to take off. Well, okay, here's the other question for you. Do you want it? Like, are you going to buy one or no. four? No. I, you know, I was going to say, I'm like spaced out in a lot of ways, but the things that I really need to keep track of, I, I've never lost my wallet, knock on wood. Um, I have lost my phone before or misplaced my Apple Watch, and I already have the Find My app to track those down. So I don't feel like <laughs> I really need it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, honestly, the thing that I was just saying is is the deal breaker for me. I would, if it was $30, I might buy a couple of them for the things that I'm thinking of is, first of all, and this was an interesting thing. We'll get to it in a minute, but there's a new Siri remote. I'm always losing my Siri remote. So if I could make my Siri remote beep, I'd be really happy about that. And I wish they'd included that as a feature, which I don't think they did. But I might buy one for my Siri remote and one for my keys because 
I've never lost my keys, but I spend a good 10 to 15 minutes a day finding my keys. <laughs> okay, you totally need one then. Uh, but no, but I'm not paying $60 for it. I will pay 30 <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I hear you. All right, so next up we have the iMac. Did you have any parting thoughts about the AirTag? Oh, I have one. Okay, but tell me what yours is. Oh, I did. I was just going to say for, we're going to, the email, uh, the question of the week in general is which of these products do you want? But send us for any of these. Like, do you want the air, air tags? Yes or no. And why? And we'd love just to hear your thoughts on everything announced. And do you want it or not? Yes or no. And why? Send us an email at podcast at iphonelife.com. And you all have been so good about emailing us. We've gotten so many emails lately and we read them all and we really appreciate them. So thank you so much. Okay, Donna, what's your parting thought? And we'll read more of them out next episode. We want it a lot of times with our event coverage. We just want to stick to the coverage because we end up having a lot to say and don't want the episode to run too long. But we usually do like to read out at least a couple emails per episode. Yes. Um, so, yeah, the AirTag, I already brought up this point, and I, it's really, it doesn't make it innovative. But I really do appreciate with Apple products when you can just use Apple apps to and, and stay within the Apple ecosystem to do all the things you need to do. It's part of the reason I use the Reminders app, the Calendar app, things like that. I like that in the Home app, for at least HomeKit compatible smart home stuff, you can like control your, your whole smart home one place. And I think with the AirTag, it is kind of nice that you can track now all of your um, Apple products, your friend's location, and now other items all within the find my app there's something nice about that that there's just one place like you're kind of one-stop shop to find find all your stuff <laughs> see i i actually i half agree with you um because in general yeah uh, uh, that's why apple's able to copy other companies and then be successful is because of their ability to integrate into their software i in this case don't particularly care that it's a same app like find my app if I had to use Find My App to find my friends and and then if I had to use a different app to track down my keys, I wouldn't care. But the Siri integration to me is nice. When I can say, hey, Siri, where are my keys? And my keys start beeping, that's pretty cool. It's really nice. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll have to um, see what people write in about, all of you listening at home, what you think of the AirTag, if that's one of the devices that you're wanting or which ones, which other ones you are instead. Um, but next up, I want to talk about the iMac, and this was the this was the release today that I found the most compelling. Um, other side note is that when you if you go to iPhoneLife.com/podcast, in the show notes for this episode, we'll link to all of the news articles and opinion pieces about all the new devices because that's going to include all of the specs the price, the release dates, and David and I will cover as much as we can today, but we're really just giving you our main takeaways. So you'll get yeah. more of the, the details on the iMac there. Um, but so Apple has not released a new iMac in a while. David, do you know how long it's been? It's been a while. I think, um, let me check. I think it, I mean, they, they've done sort of iterative updates. They had the, first of all, they had the iMac Pro, which is being discontinued and wasn't really a hit in 2019. And they had another iterative update in 2019. But I think it's been since 2017, since they've really come out with a new generation of iMacs. So it's been a long time. People have been waiting a really long time for iMacs. And iMacs are a really important product for Apple. Yeah, and so these were cool because they both brought a lot of like the newest technology that you're seeing in a lot of the latest Apple devices. Um, 
but then they also did sort of like uh, throw back to the original Bubble Max by releasing them in all of these rainbow colors that had kind of like that old school feel to it in a way. But the new IMAX, unlike the Bubble Max, which were big chunks, it's like completely <laughs> flat screened and they had the M1 chip in there, which, um, you know, late last year, Apple came out with laptops with this new M1 chip that allows it to both make the device a lot thinner and also only have small fans in there because they run cooler. And so you know how a lot of desktop computers get really noisy as the fans are going? This They, they said the noise is really minimal with these two fans. So that in itself is pretty mm-hmm. is pretty significant and will um, create a much nicer work workspace environment. It has a high-definition camera. I can't remember the details on it. Was it uh, 1080p, I think? It was 1080p, yeah. Um, and this is some, the FaceTime camera that came out in the MacBooks, the one that I'm using for this right now, for instance, podcast, are not, were not improved significantly, neither were the microphones. And so with the iMac, Apple actually really put a lot of work into the FaceTime camera and the microphones. It has like studio quality mics. It's a three microphone system. Um, and you know, one discussion we had in the office is that it seems like Apple was paying attention to how people are using their devices throughout the pandemic, how so much video conferencing is becoming the norm, even as we leave the pandemic. And so they created a, a device that's really optimized for that. Yeah, not just the camera, but it has a six speaker array. It has two uh, oh, subwoofers and a and a tweeter on each side. So it's going to be really nice sound quality, which is unique for, again, unique for a desktop computer, especially with a quiet fan. You're going to have a really nice sound. And it's sleek. Like, when you look at these, I'm looking at the pictures now online. Like, they are nice-looking products. They're thin. Very thin. Um, yeah, they very thin. They have... Uh... Oh, some interesting things. I wasn't totally clear on whether the keyboard is included or whether you buy it separately. There's some also interesting things about the wall adapter, the power cord. Um, so I'll talk about, talk about the cord first because that's for sure included. Um, in, the, uh, in the power adapter, there is an Ethernet port so that you can plug in directly there, which is unique and not something we've seen before. There also is a magnetic, uh, a, mag- a piece of magnet in the where you attach to your computer to charge. They weren't calling it MagSafe, um, and so it seems to be working a little differently. They want to differentiate the naming of that, but that should make charging more convenient. And then the keyboard, the wireless keyboard, has Touch ID in the keyboard, so it's not actually on the Mac itself, iMac itself, but kind of like in the same location that that you have it on your on the latest Macs which I find really great for the MacBook Air that I have. Oh, yeah. Touch ID is great for a computer because, A, you don't need to enter your password every time you open your computer. You just touch the thing. B, for Apple Pay, it's so nice to be able to um, just pay just through Touch ID. And C, for your password management through iCloud Keychain, all you need to do, again, is you don't need to have a long password that you have to access all your passwords. You just use Touch ID. Um, and I am checking, Donna, the Magic Keyboard does come in the box, as well as a oh, Magic good. Mouse. So if you're like me and you like a trackpad, you probably have to pay a little extra, but the Magic Mouse comes in the box. And I'm seeing they threw in a surprise USB-C to Lightning cable that the color matches your computer. So that was very nice of them. 
The keyboard matches the color of your computer as well. Yeah, yeah. All of the cables do, but they have included a USB-C to Lightning cable, which is usually like 20 bucks. So it's, it's nice to include. Um, so nice. yeah, overall, this was, a, I'm, I think this is a pretty great uh, new release by Apple because A, it had been so long. B, it's going to be a huge upgrade from what we were looking at um, for iMacs, where the M1 is going to be such a better processor. It's sleeker. It has all the new features. Um, and, you know, up until now, the computers running the M1, the only desktop was the Mac Mini, which is sort of a tough. It's a niche product because if you buy it, yes, it's a little bit cheaper, but you need to bu- then go ahead and buy a monitor, a keyboard, a mouse, all of those things. And by the time you do it, it's like you end up with a worse computer for the same price. The iMac is sort of, in my opinion, really, if you're looking for desktop, right in that sweet spot for price to performance. For most people, it's going to be a really great desktop computer for a pretty affordable price by Apple standards. Like, obviously, you can get PCs for cheaper a lot of times. Um, One thing I do want to mention, though, we were talking about it earlier uh, when we were preparing for this podcast. There's a reason why you aren't seeing MacBook Pros out yet. And there's a reason why you they're discontinuing the iMac Pro. This is a great computer for the everyday user, but the M1, the fact that they're putting this M1 chip across all computers kind of tells you that it's not going to be the most powerful chip, um, which is okay. But if you're trying to do high powered video editing or graphic design of some kind, um, anything that uses a software that's really in, uh, power intensive, this might not quite cut it for you. But of course, it's going to be way better than the iMac you were using if you're using an iMac. So you'll be happy. But it, it those people who use a lot of powerful, um, who need a lot of powerful softwares might want to hold out for the m2 which i'm guessing we'll see probably late this year early next year which will be a probably they'll they'll be able to then stagger it where their most powerful computers have a more powerful chip i was gonna say i was gonna ask you next if you thought we would be getting that like maybe late fall or something or whether we have to wait a year uh, you know, I want my the optimist in me wants to say later this year. I think unfortunately it's gonna be next year. Cause I'm holding yeah. to be just to be transparent, I think if I were in the market for a desktop computer, I'd buy this iMac in a heartbeat. I think it's a great computer and I'd get it. I am a laptop person, uh, and I'm holding out for the MacBook Pro. Uh, I, the MacBook Air looks like a great computer, but it's the screen's a little too small for me. So I'm sort of in, I'm holding out for that. And so I'm watching that date pretty carefully. Uh, I think it's going to be next year, but I, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. And I, the same holds true for me, even though I was the most excited about the iMac of everything we got today, I am in the laptop camp, so I wouldn't, wouldn't buy it. But I, I do think that, um, the value is so good. Like you spend you spending the same amount that you would on a laptop and you get so much more screen real estate and you get like the better speaker system and camera and microphone and all those things. It's pretty compelling. Yeah. Just as a kind of a side point, what I do, what most of the people in our company do and what I kind of recommend if you can afford it is to buy a laptop, but then set up a second monitor as your home office. So what I have right now, I almost want to like turn my screen around, uh, <laughs> but I have 
a second monitor that's like I don't know it's like 28 inches and then so I have dual monitors I have a keyboard and a mouse right here that when I dock my laptop I use it and it's like this really great workstation I actually am gonna see if I can no it's too much uh <laughs> But that's take a picture that would of it be, and I'll include it in the show notes, David. Okay, sounds good. Good call. That would be what I recommend to people who want the if you want the best of both worlds, that's sort of what I'd recommend. And there was a time, I mean, it's you're gonna end up paying more for it because you have to pay for laptop plus the screen. Uh, but it, it it gives you the best of both worlds. Yeah, it, it's uh, I feel like <laughs> switching to a laptop was that has been game changing for me especially having the MacBook Air, which is so lightweight, just for, uh, especially working from home, I do not like sitting in the same place all day. So it just makes it easy to move my workstation around wherever I feel like. Totally, totally. Um, all right, any, next Any up, last got, thoughts? Uh, oh, on the iMac? Um, yeah. I don't think so. Oh, I did have a thought, though, when we were talking about earlier about the keyboard and Touch ID uh, to unlock your computer. We had a, a tip last episode that David and I hadn't tested, and I have tested it since, so I just wanted to report back to all of you to let you know that I did enable, after enabling the feature to unlock my computer with my Apple Watch last feature, I've been last episode, I've been using that regularly, and it works flawlessly. But yeah, it was, same thing? it was such a funny tip of the day because you and I hadn't tested yet and we both like te were texting each other throughout the week being like this is a game-changing feature it was like we like helped ourselves because I agree I loved it all week and I had it I thought I enabled it and it wasn't working but turned out it wasn't working because it wasn't enabled uh and it's really convenient just to be able to open up your laptop and it just turns on and you don't have to worry about putting in your password or even using touch id but of course you still have the security because your apple watch is there I know. I, I wanted to see how it worked because I thought maybe it would make you tap something on your Apple Watch or something. And in that case, I'd be like, why not just use Touch ID? It's the same. It's like one step. But this, all it does is it just does it for you. And you see on your watch, it's telling you that it's doing it. So you're seeing that it's working, but uh, there, you don't have to do anything. It, just it actually makes so me great. really excited for iOS 14.5 because the same feature is going to come out. And it's re particularly annoying. To unlock your iPhone. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. So if you have an Apple Watch, just to recap for those who didn't listen to last episode, which shame on you, it was a good episode. Uh, <laughs> just to recap, the feature allows you to unlock your computer if you have an Apple Watch on automatically. So you just turn on your computer and it'll automatically unlock and won't require Touch ID or a password if you have an Apple Watch on. And that co is coming to the iPhone soon. And it's such a hassle right now because we all have masks on. And so it's like, it'll first try to use Face ID, which then won't work. And then it'll pull up my password and I'll have to pull up my, put in my passcode. And it'd be so nice to skip that stuff. I know, and you really should have a six digit passcode at least. So it's gonna yeah. take a while. Alphanumeric yeah. and uh, yeah, I which I don't for the record. If anybody wants to hack into my phone, it's totally just a four-digit thing. <laughs> really, David? Yeah, you know me. I'm I I don't practice what I preach. I tend to skew towards convenience over privacy. Anyway, like, what's your birthday again? Mm, yeah, let me <laughs> okay, give you my social, you're... dear podcaster. Here's my <laughs> social. Uh, a couple other last thoughts before we move on. I think I'm was so sad when apple discontinued the mat what it's not what's it called the mag magic mount what the magsafe magsafe 
for yeah. for computers, especially for laptops, because it's so easy to trip over that cable, and the MagSafe would then just automatically disconnect. And also, when you're docking, it's so easy to really quickly dock with because it's magnetic, of course. So I'm really glad, even though they're not calling it MagSafe anymore, that Apple's bringing it back. And I think that they're going to bring it back for laptops too. And I I'm really excited about that. Also, I like the colors. Donna, what color you, would you go for if you were to buy one? Oh. I felt I kind of liked the red, which is I wouldn't say is usually my color, but it, it definitely caught my eye. What about you? I'm looking at it now. Yeah, I think I think I'd go with the blue, but they're they're pretty nice. I, I think the yellow I saw I saw them using the yellow in one of the commercials, and that again would not be a color I would normally go with, but it sort of caught my eye too. Um. Really? Yellow? That doesn't seem... I was going to say, somehow that surprises me. It's not a me... It would not be me color, but it, I was feeling it. I want to add this to our question of the week. Do you get excited by when Apple adds new colors to its lineup? Ooh, good or question. is that, you know, an inconsequential update in your book? Email yeah, us at it, podcast at iphonelife.com, along with, of course, letting us know what products from today you would want to buy. And I just to skew the results, the reason why Don is asking is... We were talking about it before the podcast, and I'm so jaded. Every time Apple comes out with a new color, I would never buy a device for a new color. I just don't care. And yet every time it's like the thing people talk about. And, and so we want to hear, why am I wrong? Why do you all care about colors? <laughs> all right, cool. So let's move on to um, the M1 iPad Pro. That is the next device that uh, Apple announced today. And this was one we, in our rumor roundups, we didn't talk about the potential of Apple to include the M1 chip in the iPad. So that was a surprise to me. Had you had you been hearing anything about that or suspecting that? You know, I hadn't done any research, um, but... I am not surprised either. I think Apple's sort of just been putting the M1 in everything. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, I think it, we were in a really interesting spot with the uh, iPad Pro. We talked about this in the fall when Apple released the iPad Air. It did this strange thing where it broke its lineup, and the iPad Air just was objectively, in every measure, a better computer, or sorry, a better tablet than the iPad Pro. Like, there was just no justifiable reason to get the Pro. It was better, it was worse in every way. So Apple clearly knew they were coming out with this. Um, so I knew, I figured that they had to do something that was significantly better than the air which was a great tablet so it makes sense that they put the m1 chip in but i do you know we were marveling at this before the show i want to emphasize how crazy it is that the imac which is like a desktop computer for people who are like using this for for work purposes has the same chip as a tablet this tablet is so powerful like it's they've i've never seen this it's crazy to me so it is pretty exciting that they have such a powerful chip in a tablet it's really cool yeah so i think like that's the biggest feature you know for just the larger takeaways of what the ipad has pro has to offer having the m1 chip makes it so fast it um opens up some new possibilities potentially of special iPad Pro only features once Apple 
um, releases new software updates for the iPad. So it could be opening you up to some new capabilities in the future. Um, and some other features that that were cool about the iPad Pro was a feature called Center Stage. The iPad has an ultra-wide camera in it. And so it can, I don't know exactly how it works, but basically it's capturing a huge amount of image through the viewfinder um, when, when recording video. So it's able to track use software to track your movement and follow you. And it's not that like your iPad's actually physically turning at all. It's just the actual um, frame won't be ultra wide, but it's able to, to you to move around a little bit and track you. So that's really great for people who are doing video podcasting or have a YouTube channel or something like that and want the appearance of having um, a professional videographer. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's just pretty... Is that yeah, how you was... understood the feature to work? Yeah, I think I would hold back claiming it'll be similar to a professional videographer, but it was cool. And it was similar <laughs> to IMAX where clearly Apple's paying attention to what we're all using these devices for now. And a lot of it is uh, for video calls. And it was a cool feature that you could walk around and it would, it basically automatically centers you and frames you correctly. And even if somebody else comes in the shot, it'll reframe it for you. So it was pretty cool. Um, as well. And the other very important feature is it has a micro LED display, um, which is the first product that Apple's released with a micro LED display. And my understanding, again, this is new technology. We're all just reading up on it. Um, but basically, it's one of those rare times where the name actually make, is descriptive. Uh, it is a smaller LED. And so what happens is uh, basically for a display, you end up with uh, backlighting and LED lighting, and then you have pixels in front of it that will filter the color, red, green, blue. Uh, and for the uh, for a retina display, they said, I think they said it was 72 LEDs that are behind the display. Uh, this one has 10,000 LEDs. So you end up with with the ability to be, a have a lot a lot brighter screen, which isn't just what you'd think, which is like oh now my screen's brighter. But with brightness, you can have a wider range of which which uh, LED has how much light, and so you can have a much wider range of colors. Uh, you have a really wide range of what colors can be displayed. So you end up with basically a much nicer display. Better contrast, better color clarity, um, HDR. Uh, and so that was really exciting as well to see uh, that they have this new technology. And then uh, my next question with this is just seeing the price tag of the iPad Pro is um, can stop you in your tracks. It's mm -hmm. 1200 or really 1300 starting price, I believe. No, 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 no. It was cheaper than that. No? Uh, let me check it now. I think it started at 799 799 maybe the highest storage unit is over a thousand yeah it, it goes over a thousand but it, it starts at I'm just pulling it out yeah it starts at 799 but again it's like you do 799 and one of the other features we forgot to mention is that it has 5g but if you want 5g well then you're talking a thousand dollars right off the bat before you you know and that's if you're okay with 128 gigabytes if you want to do 250 gigabytes you're at $1,100. If you wanted to do the 12, the 13 inch display, well, then you're at $1,400. So yeah, it, it gets really expensive really quickly, but it does start at 799. And I will say that that, 79, that 799 model 
unlike the old days where it was like nobody ever wanted to get the base model of a device that 799 model is a very serviceable device like you can get the 799 ipad pro and be very happy with it yeah i am really happy with the fact that like apple's base storage now is actually reasonable and yeah. it used to not be and so yeah. that that makes a really big difference and Side note, I've um, been reading rumors that the iPhone 13 or 12S or whatever they decide to call it this fall is going to have a, a terabyte storage plan, which is like, cool. feels really like next tier and kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so that makes it, so it, it just, it makes it nice. The fact that like that base price you're seeing is actually what you could potentially pay as opposed to way more. But I just can't help but look at this iPad Pro and and then at the iMac, for instance, and be like, you might end up spending a similar amount and with the iMac, you just have so much more functionality, at least for things I would be using. Cause even though this new iPad pro is amazing and has such great technology in it, you can't really use it as a computer, even though it's a computer price. Like it still doesn't have quite the software capabilities that I need personally for work. Yeah. And that's the big drawback. And we've been saying this for years now, which is Apple markets the tablet as a desktop replacement or as a computer replacement. But in my opinion, even the iPad Pro, it is a replacement in terms of the powerfulness of the computer because it's literally the same chip. But the operating system is prohibitive. It's you cannot use a mobile operating system to do to work from every day. In my opinion, it just doesn't work. The multitasking is so much worse. Even with the added mouse functionality, like Windows on a Mac OS works so much smoother for everyday multitasking. So what I hope happens is that when Apple announces iPad OS 15, that they actually have it have much closer to a Mac operating system than an iPhone operating system, because iPhones just are not designed for that type of work. Um, but I don't know. So yeah, it's, it's a great piece of technology. I love my iPad, so I would consider buying this, but I would never buy it as my only computer. I just don't, I think if you do any type of work, it doesn't, it doesn't do it for you. Yeah. So therefore, to me, it falls into like a real Apple fan product. If you just want, like you'll have a great user experience on it, but it's just, it's adding on to a lot of other Apple products you're already going to have. <laughs> it's so hard though, because the, I, the iPad Air is $599. So you're paying an extra $200 and it's such a better device. Like I think you, I think if you are in the market for an iPad, I think it's the one you should get. First of all, it has it's kind of future proofing it because it has 5G, has the the faster processor. It's going to be outdated a lot in a lot more time than the iPad Air, which will become obsolete a lot sooner. It's just iPads are a tough oh. product because they're expensive. It's got a Thunderbolt, a Thunderbolt port too. Yeah. Like it it yeah. seems like you could be directly um, plugged in to be a second monitor. Yeah. Um, but they're just a tough product because they're expensive, but you can't use them for work. But I love yeah. them. Do, like, do you? I know you aren't quite as enthusiastic about iPads as I am. I love my I've iPad. Been, I've been using mine more lately. I've been really enjoying using it for Apple Fitness Plus because I want mm. a bigger display. Um, I want a bigger display than my iPhone to do the fitness videos, and so that's like has me. I have it out in my kitchen, and then I'm more likely to use it for other things too. And I do like it, but I just I. 
it's not essential and every day the same way that my phone and my laptop are. Yeah, yeah, that is definitely true. Um, but what yeah, I would and I say, think, I think you also. I like mine. I feel like you love yours. Yeah, I'm like a, I'm a I'm this weird mix of being this passionate iPad defender and yet the biggest critic in terms of your ability to use it for work. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what I would say is, I have the iPad Pro and I don't feel the need to upgrade because it does it's fine for me. But if I were to buy anything from today's announcement, I think it would be the iPad Pro. Oh really? Oh, yeah. Well, I just. I just talked about the virtues of my laptop, my laptop office system, and I have no interest in an iMac, even though I think they're great for people who like desktop computers. Yeah. And if you were going to get one, you'd probably wait for the M2, right? Uh, no, I actually, to be fair, if I were buying a desktop, I'd be perfectly comfortable buying this iMac. I think it's fine. Like, I don't do heavy-duty video editing, nor do most people listening to this podcast. So I'm sorry if I confused you all. I think you're totally safe buying this computer. The performance will be fine for you unless you're in the rare, in the niche where you need really powerful software, such as graphic design or video editing. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So the last device, device. then we have a couple services to talk about, and I also wanted just to recap what we didn't get that we were talking about during the rumor season uh, for the spring event. So the last device announcement of the day is the Apple TV 4K. And um, this did not fit with the rumors we had heard of it incorporating like a FaceTime camera and of it potentially also being a HomePod combo. It was none of that. But we did get (laughs) a new remote, a new Siri remote, which looks like it sucks a lot less than it did before. I don't know if it's amazing, but it does seem better. It looks a lot better. (laughs) And so it supports... um, it supports, help me out here, in terms of like higher frame rate videos. Yeah, the big thing, and this one to me felt a little bit more of an incremental update, to be honest, because we already had a 4K Apple TV that has HDR built into it. So they were sort of, they kept talking about, oh, it's HDR 4K, and I'm like, but mine's Apple, HDR 4K. But it supports right. a higher frame rate, which is nice if you have a TV that has a higher frame rate especially like for sports or things like that, it can be helpful. Um, but I don't, I, probably very few people are going to buy it because it supports an, a higher frame rate, to be honest. Like it's more like a nice add-on if, they, if you have an older Apple TV that's not 4K and then you get the 4K plus this new stuff. And yeah. it also supports Dolby Atmos sound and um, spatial audio, which is mm-hmm. a feature of Apple's that... Um, also, do you have a good definition of spatial audio? I don't, except for kind of all of these types of things, Dolby, uh, Atmos sound. They're all kind of versions of surround sound where they make you feel like the sound is three-dimensional as opposed to just coming at you from a speaker. But the problem, again, is you have to have compatible speakers. So you have to have a Dolby At- Atmos speaker for it to work, which starts at like six or $700. So for most people... Uh, you probably don't need to buy it to upgrade for that. But if you are someone who does really have an expensive setup with a really nice TV and a really nice speakers, you'll be really happy with this upgrade. Um, and it has a better processor too, which will be better for everyone. It's faster. Um, 
And then, of course, the remote. So a few things about the remote that make it cool. First of all, one of the really common complaints, it's kind of silly, but I don't know if this happens to you. The the current Siri remote is, it's symmetrical, but only one half of it is an actual touch display. And so if you're not staring at it, it happens to me all the time where I'll be trying to navigate my, my Siri remote upside down and touching the part that is not responsive to touch. That happens to me multiple times a week. I'm I thought it was just me. I'm not the only one. Yeah, I thought it was just me. And I was so relieved to hear that I am not a moron, that everyone does this. So, um, And it has, in addition to not being symmetrical, it has this cool feature, which is kind of, it has a wheel similar to like the old school um, iPod, which is really great for scrolling because you can, you know, if you're trying to scroll like three quarters of a way through a movie before you could do it by kind of dragging across the display, but it would take you a while to, and you'd have to kind of keep doing it over and over. Whereas if you can do it in a universal uh, motion, you can just keep scrolling to you get to the right spot. So I thought, I thought that was really cool. It also powers on and off your TV, which is a really nice feature because 90% of the time I'm watching Apple TV and then I only have to use my TV remote to turn off my TV, which is dumb. That's very nice. My big question is, does this somehow stop you from having to enter in (laughs) TV and movie names letter by letter on the alphabet? And I don't think it does. I think, like, my big complaints about the current system is that the scrolling was terrible, so this solves that. Assuming I need hands-on time to see how well this new universal scrolling is with the circular thing. But then also, like, I just, every time I'm punching in the name of a TV show when I'm searching one of the, you know, TV streaming apps, I'm just like, in 2021, it does not feel like this should be the way to search for a show. And I know you can use audio, you can use um, voice commands as well. Yeah, I was getting ready to say um, that. But like your your primary way to do it in terms of on screen, I still find to be seem like it could be better. I don't know yeah. how they would do it. I feel like voice commands are, they, they just need to make voice commands work a little bit better. Like it, it doesn't work well enough of the time that it becomes a frustration too yeah no exactly and tv shows often have weird names that don't get recognized you're like watch letter kenny and series like i don't know what letter kenny is that's not a word i'm familiar with uh my other complaint is that a show i should watch uh it's kind of funny Meh, it's okay yeah okay okay um my other complaint uh while we're complaining well, i don't know why but we got into it now is uh that the siri search is not universal like it doesn't include certain um apps so it happens to me a lot where i'll be like watch this movie and it'll be like oh you have to pay for it and then it turns out it was streaming on amazon prime but it didn't but i didn't know because i tried to use siri search uh and that drives me crazy but yeah, i will that's say why my husband tyler does not like doesn't like using the search because he's like it doesn't like doesn't actually gather it from all of the st- service the streaming services so it's pointless yeah i agree and, and i do agree with tyler sorry donna but <laughs> i saw the eye roll but i actually agree with, Don- with tyler on this one um but i will say because we were talking about before there's a lot of streaming tv streaming options you have your chromecast you have your fire uh, your amazon fire stick whatever uh and a lot of them are cheaper I love my Apple TV. So yes, we have little complaints because, but it's because we use it all the time, and I think it's really worth it. All if you have time. an iPhone, 
even if you don't, but especially if you do, which all of you guys do, it is really worth the extra money. It the, First of all, the operating system's great relative to the other streaming options. And second of all, the compatibility is a game changer. You can... The AirPlay is so great to be able to play music through your TV speakers or to be able to show people videos you took on your phone. It's really awesome. So this, if you, in my opinion, if you have the 4K Apple TV, you probably don't need to upgrade, especially because you can actually buy the Siri remote individually if you want to, and it works with your 4K Apple TV. But if you're somebody who's been kind of needing to upgrade your Apple TV anyway, and if you have a 4K TV and you do not have a 4K Apple TV, you need to just run to buy this because 4K makes a big difference. And it's really annoying when you don't have 4K compatible Apple TV, but you have a 4K TV. Um, So I think it's a great upgrade, but it's incremental. So if you have the 4K Apple TV, you don't need it. What do you think, Donna? I would agree with that. I feel like, um, actually, the more we're talking about it, the more I feel like it's it's um, the updates are not that universally appealing unless you're going to have like a really nice sound bar that supports Dolby Atmos or, like you said, the higher frame rate, like some videos that support that. It seems, for the most part, if you have a 4K Apple TV, you're pretty set. Yeah, and I think it was an important update for them. I think the processor is kind of underrated. Like, I wouldn't buy it for that processor, but the processor is nice. Oh, we forgot a really important feature, though. So they added this really cool new feature where it will optimize your display for your room that you're in. And so if you've ever bought a TV, one of the really annoying things is... True Tone, thank you. One of the really annoying things is the the preset settings for TVs are pretty terrible. And a lot of times, like all the fancy new like uh, edge sharpness in HDR kind of makes it feel like you're watching a really cheap soap opera. And so you have to actually go, I've invested an embarrassing amount of time customizing the settings on my TV to make it look good. Um, and so I obviously haven't been able to test this feature yet, but if I can just have it do that automatically for me and have it do it programmatically so as the light changes in my house it will change it that is a really really cool feature which i'm excited about yeah um i was gonna say that i i totally forgot about that as well and i really appreciate true tone on my iphone yeah yeah and it's surprising it's surprisingly hard on a tv to do that yeah, I was gonna say on TVs, I feel too like I've had been in situations where I've had the like got a weird setting that and didn't really know how to fix it and how it, what a nightmare that is and everything just yeah. looks weird. Yeah, totally. So I think that could be a very cool feature as well. So the last couple of releases we wanted to talk about um, today. Oh, price point for the Apple TV. Do you have that pulled up? Uh, I do. Let me just pull it up for you i have it here at um view pricing i, I want to say it's 179 yeah it started at 179 dollars uh and similarly to what we were talking about just as a recommendation i think very very few people need 64 gigabytes for your apple tv so it, they give you two options 32 gigabytes and 64 gigabytes uh, even though it's only $20 more to upgrade to the 64 gigabyte, I've never upgraded on my Apple TV purchases and I've never regretted it. So I think you're fine at the base model, $179 for the 32 gigs. If for some reason you have a ton of games, you can do 64 gigabytes for 199 
cool. Yeah, I was gonna say what like, oh, the games. That's what would cause you to want the sixty-four. Yeah, or like for some reason, if you're storing a lot of uh, a lot of photos or videos, but that you've downloaded, but you don't need to. So yeah, it's really unless you have a lot of games. Okay, cool. So the last devices are those were the devices we got today um, from Apple. But we also got a couple of services that um, we wanted to discuss. One is an upgraded feature to pod, the podcast app, and that allows you to subscribe and pay you through in-app purchases for podcasts that have premium content. Um, and so that's something we all uh, I want to discuss a little bit with you, David. But the other the other one too is called Apple Card Family. I think that was the official name of it, um, and that allowed you to have. Uh, like joint accounts with family members and um, to work on your credit score as a family, essentially. Mm-hmm. But so we'll start out with talking about the podcast service. And um, right now there are a couple other players in the market that allow you to subscribe to basically a bundled service of premium podcast content. One's called Luminary and that allows you like basically po- some networks and podcast creators have you know, come to an agreement with Luminary to like exclusively offer their content through them. And so you pay something, I think it's like $7.99 a month or something, and you get access to this bundle of podcasts. So this is not going to be that. It's more just Apple allowing you to pay for a podcast that you want through the app. And to me, the potential that seems exciting about this is just that up until now, podcasting has been just, there's an assumption that that podcasts are free. And like, yes, there are podcasts that ask you to donate to their Patreon, or it's more of like a, if you like this content, support us type energy. Whereas it, I think this has the potential to help transition podcast podcasting to be content that you pay for. Um, and I think that's not so welcome news to users, but it is <laughs> exciting for people podcasting to be able to find a way to monetize it better without just um, doing advertising. Yeah. Kind of sponsored, I, you know, sponsored shout outs or whatever. <laughs> I I agree. I mean, I, obviously I have a foot in both worlds because I love podcasts. And I listen to a lot of them. And if that Me starts... Too. If podcasts are costing money, I'm in trouble because I listen to like 20 different podcasts a month or something like that. Um, But also as a podcast creator, clearly, uh, they take a lot of work. And honestly, to be honest, guys, we do this in a lot of ways as a labor of love. Like it's very hard to monetize the podcast. We really don't make much money from it. We just like doing it and our reader, our listeners like it, which is another plug to please, if you like this, go subscribe. If for no other reason to continue to support us, uh, iphonelife.com slash insider discount. But yeah, it's tough. And so it will support better podcasts. And, you know, these podcast services discount, so... Podcast discount, actually. Oh, thanks. Sorry. What did the I URL say? URL is iphonelife.com slash podcast discount. <laughs> what did I say? Sorry. Insider discount. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't go there. It, it won't lead anywhere. It's not like you'll get a better yeah. one. Um, so the problem with some of these other services, like say Luminary, is they're really only for big names, right? Like you're going to subscribe to that if you want to hear Oprah's podcast. You're not going to subscribe. Like somebody already has to build a brand for themselves before they enter into it. Whereas this is really 
potentially you could have subscriptions for the kind of smaller creators in the world of the world who are doing really innovative podcasts that are great. And also, yes, we have Patreon right now, but like it's not the best solution. It's a lot of work to get people to support your Patreon. Uh, and it's having the ability to subscribe directly for a podcast is really interesting. So I overall am excited to, despite the fact that I know it's going to cost me more money in my life. <laughs> I know. I feel the same way. And I think that, um, you know, from reading about it, my understanding is that what will most likely happen with a lot of podcasts is that they'll have a free version and you can upgrade through an in-app purchase for premium content and ad-free content. And so it'll still probably be somewhat of the energy uh, that you're doing it because you like the podcast a lot and you're still able, like, my concern would be that I would listen my discovering of new podcasts would dwindle because I wouldn't want to pay for a podcast or subscribe before I'd found out if I really, really liked that podcast. And so I think that's not how it's going to work. Like you can still listen. Maybe you'll either listen to a full episode and you, you subscribe for more or they'll let you listen to like half an episode. And then if you want to listen to the full extended interview, whatever you pay to do that. So I don't think that like free content will be going away. Also, there's tons of other places to listen to podcasts, but it does seem like Apple is um, helping to initiate that transition to helping podcasters out actually monetizing what they're doing. Yeah. The other thing too, for the, this update, we obviously haven't gotten hands on with it yet, but Apple really desperately needed to update their podcast app. We got a funny, I don't think we read it out loud, actually. We got a really funny email from somebody because I talked about how I was using the Apple podcast app and I got an email from somebody saying, how could a self-respecting Apple expert use the podcast app? It's terrible. Um And they're not wrong. It's terrible. And it's unusual for Apple's, in app like apple's uh built-in apps to be so much worse than third-party apps but for podcasting that was sort of becoming true so i'm hoping that in addition to this one feature which is like the ability to have subscribed to podcasts for money uh they've really improved it and it was hard to tell they didn't say enough to be able to tell how much they improved it but i'm guessing apple has to be aware of how behind they are from other people um so i hope they've really improved it because i think most people still use apple's podcast app despite how bad it is i know i think that i I couldn't tell that much from the presentation how functional the changes were it looked more sleek i saw that it was in night mode at least the the version they showed which i don't know do you ever use podcast in night mode? It had dark a dark background. Uh, I can check um, right now. I'm I've sure I do, but I didn't check. App. Yeah, let me look. Yeah, I, I can't Anyways, imagine. it'll be interesting to see what the redesign looks like, um, and we can report back on that. Again, we we right now are not including all of the availability dates for each of these releases. A lot of them were April 30th. You could order things, and then. Uh, early or second half of May, you could get them, but I don't know with the podcast app when that was rolling out. Do you, did you remember? No, I didn't. And one of the weird things about it too, was that typically would be something that released for WWDC. It was a strange time to release it even when you think about it. Um, but yeah, it's, I, most of the things announced, both the iPad and the iMac, you could pre-order at the end of April and it would ship at the end of May. 
Um, also, just as a follow-up, the pod, the current podcast app does have dark mode. Despite being terrible, it does have dark mode. <laughs> okay, good to establish that. Um, okay, so the Apple Card, David, do you do you mind summarizing that for for our yeah. listeners? Sure. There were a couple interesting features that they added. Um, and they were sort of, interestingly, kind of around like account management. One of them was the ability to build credit for two people at the same time. Because what happens a lot of times, almost every time with credit cards, is you have a primary account holder who you give your social security for. And they, the credit card is based on their credit and if they do poorly, then their credit goes down. If, if they keep up their payments, their credit goes up. Uh, and then you have a secondary account holder, which they do not base credit off of. So for families, often you end up with one person whose credit is building over time or hopefully building or getting ruined over time and the other person whose credit is not. And it's it can be a problem. So especially because traditional for traditional households, you usually have the man's credit going up in this time. And then the woman's credit has no credit. And if they ever get divorced, a woman has no credit. So this has the ability to have uh, both people's credit on the line, essentially, which is bad if you don't pay your credit. But for those people who are keeping up their credit, having good credit is really important. So the ability to build up your credit over time is really great. So that was a cool new feature they added. They also added features around um, for children, for families, so that children could sign up for, you could could have a card where you could manage how much they could spend. And I, I think there's some controls around like what they can spend money on, how much per day, that sort of thing, so that you could give a credit card to a child but not feel like they're just going to. I've heard some horror stories recently from friends somebody just spent four hundred dollars on v bucks which are like uh <laughs> um a game in-app purchases in a game so you can man it you can give them access to a credit card but not just let them go rogue uh which both i felt like were not only interesting features that people will take advantage of but i apple when they came out with apple card really paid a lot of lip service to it's not just another card it's we're trying to do things differently we're trying to upend the financial industry and these are features that are good um somebody in our office put it this way which is a lot of credit cards are trying to set you up to fail so that you pay higher rates and i think they're trying to take the approach of setting you up to succeed learning better financial habits over time uh, and hopefully um, building credit along the way. From from the people I know who have been using the Apple Card, I don't currently have one. Um, I've heard nothing but positive things, really. Um, Noah yeah. in our office uses one and really, really likes it. And likes. there's also, through the iPhone app, you can. there's some nice um, financial tracking features there and seeing how, how much you're earning back, points and stuff, stuff like that. Um, and then also for younger people, uh, my nephew, who's 19, has the Apple Card, and I think it's one of his first credit cards, and has found it very user friendly, and you know has been enjoying gaming it as much as possible to get as much you know cash back as possible and all of that. So it's making me tempted to give it a try, and I, I'm happy that that Apple is um, you know trying to account for some of the gender bias in credit. Um, credit scores. Yeah, exactly. Or and correct I, for, not just account thank, for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. And I agree. I've heard surprisingly good things about the card. Um, my complaint on it is the same as always, which is they don't have very competitive rewards. So I 
<laughs> have built up my credit. And so I tend to get cards that have really competitive rewards. And you can get cards that like the rewards are worth like a thousand dollars. Um, and you can go, I'll do one or two of those a year and it really adds up. Um, and so Apple doesn't do that. So that that's the problem with it. But it is, I think, especially if you don't have great credit or if you're not someone who puts a lot of energy into those sort of things, then I think it is a very good card. David, I still want you to do an online course on, you know, financial management. You could have a lesson on you know, <laughs> gaming the credit card industry. Oh, man. I don't know that I'm that much of an expert, but yeah, someday maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So the things we did not get this time around is we were expecting both um, an upgrade to the AirPods Pro and also to the standard AirPods. Um, we also were thinking potentially we would get some sort of HomePod with a touchscreen or an Apple TV that was a combo of the HomePod, had a FaceTime camera. None of that came to fruition, but really the AirPods is the biggest surprise there because that was one of really the leading rumors for a spring event and we didn't get anything. Yeah, that is true. I, you know, I was on record ahead of time saying I like the current form factor, so I wasn't particularly disappointed that it didn't come out. How about you? That's true. Yeah. So the, the upgrade to the base level AirPods, David and I are wearing those right now was that they were going to look more like the AirPods Pro. And so they were going to suction into your ear and that they were going to shorten the stem and things like that. And um, neither of us were that happy about it. Like, I don't mind this little thing hanging out. I mean, I suppose it's not great looking, but neither is just like a white thing plugging up your ear. Like, I don't really feel like it makes that big of a difference to me. And um, I do not like the suction cup in your ear like I like the fact that these sort of are resting gently they're yeah. easy to take in and out I don't feel sort of sealed in um it can make me feel too like I'm not um as aware of my surroundings even though they weren't gonna they weren't going to do noise canceling in the the base level airpods at least from what I read I still feel like it makes me feel too disconnected from my surroundings unless I'm really working out and then in that case the airpods pro are nice I so agree. yeah I agree with you I wasn't I, I I wasn't too bummed about it personally, um, but I wonder if it's if Apple will potentially release them at WWDC. Maybe, or probably in the fall. I'm guessing they probably want to do it for the holidays, to be honest. Oh, that's a good call, yeah. Because really, at WWDC, I don't think they announced any gear last year, did they? There's rumors every year that they're going to announce gear, and every once in a while they do, but very rarely. It's almost always the operating system, and that's it. So, All right. So that was um, that was our lineup today, what we got, what we didn't get. Um, remember to email us at podcast at iphonelife.com to let us know what of these new devices are you excited about and planning to buy. So also let us know, do you get excited about new colors? Because we got a lot of new colors today. <laughs> I also just want to reemphasize, you know, our job as uh, tech journalists is to uh, go over the pros and the cons of things Apple got right and things Apple didn't get, didn't get right and be objective in these things. But I want to reemphasize overall, I thought Apple had a really great announcement. I thought that they came out with really good upgrades and i think in particular what i was impressed by this time these were not incremental updates the switch to a new operating system or new chip the m1 is really a large change in apple's culture and in apple's 
whole lineup. And so we're seeing that now. Same thing, the switch to micro LED displays. That's something that we're going to start seeing across their whole line. Apple really is still pushing the ball forward from a technological perspective, way more than their competition. And so while, of course, we're going to give you the pros and the cons and let you weigh it, um, I don't want that to be lost, both how personally excited I am for all of the things announced today and also just that Apple is really working hard and coming out with great products. Yeah, I think that's a really important point because sometimes sometimes we go too far in the direction of just being fans and then other times we can be... um, you know, it's like we're trying to pick things apart to help you as a listener think it through, but we're not acknowledging how great really the these breakthroughs are and how like amazing these products are and how much you probably are going to love it if you buy it. <laughs> and there are times where Apple doesn't have great announcements. Like last spring, I remember, like I feel like we sort of hit the nail on the head when we were kind of like, why did they do all these weird services? And you look back now and who's using Apple News Plus, you know? know, Apple Arcade, I'm sure has some fans, but it's not a huge hit for Apple. So there are times where Apple doesn't have a great announcement. They aren't making huge breakthroughs. So when they do, we should be particularly cognizant to acknowledge that. David, you're like, yes, except AirTag. (laughs) (laughs) AirTags, we'll see. Time will tell. (laughs) all right well thank you so much for listening all of you as usual and please make sure to subscribe to our podcast like david said it helps other people like you find iphone life and support what we're doing leave us a review especially if you're leaving us a good review (laughs) (laughs) no just you know leave any review will do any review will do yeah um (laughs) all right we'll let you all go and um thanks always great talking with you david Thanks, Donna. Thanks, listeners. 